The Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast begins in three. These podcasts, <laughs> podcasts, that sounds like a convention of beans or peas to me. I'm podcast. Listen, in these recovering fundamentalists, they don't know the Bible either. What are the fundamentals? Inerrancy, virgin birth of Jesus Christ, Amen. substitutionary atonement, Amen. bodily resurrection Amen. of Christ, and the authenticity of miracles. Hi, man! Two. I am not a recovering fundamentalist. They're everywhere. They're all over the internet. They want to be, uh, what do they call it? Recovering from fundamentalism. They're everywhere. And I think to myself, well, you were just stupid to begin with. And if there's such a word, you're stupider now. We ain't recovering from nothing good, neighbor. We're reviving from the Holy Ghost. Somebody say man Everybody wants to focus on recovering. Oh, you're recovering. Oh, you need yeah. help. You need therapy. You're recovering. Let's focus on fundamentalists. We're recovering fundamentalism back from people who have hijacked it. We are biblical family. We are the fundamentalists. Man. That'll make a Baptist want to speak in tongues right there, boys. One. I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, We better stay uh, in the old paths. But what are the old paths? I've, I've heard that my whole life, and nobody's ever been able to tell me what the old paths or the old time religion really is because it's whatever era you mm-hmm. overly romanticize in your mind as being when the church was it, right. Mm. Like it, lump it, pump it, jump it, take it across the street and dump it. We've raised a generation that is ashamed of our forefathers and act like they were somehow done wrong in the way they were brought up and they were damaged and they were scarred because they were raised in a home that had standards and convictions and kept them on the old time way. You got their number, boys. Y'all thought you started the podcast. You went and started a movement. Thanks for joining us for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Make sure to stay tuned at the end of the show to hear more about the RFP sponsors. Now, here's your host for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, Nathan Cravat, J.C. Groves, and Brian Edwards. Well, we are here at the Bourbon Meetup, and uh, I am fired up to finally put some faces with registrations and uh, handles. Huh? He's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and uh, it's good. It, it's just this has been something we've been looking forward to for a while. I see some familiar faces that were down in Statesboro at the South Meetup. If you're at the South Meetup. Throw that hand up in the air, and we got two there. There they are. Oh yeah. Bree, are you are you camping out again? Yeah. That is way too hot to be camping out. <laughs> I sweat watching cops, much less thinking about camping out. That's a good one. You talk. All right. So we're just gonna hang out tonight, and uh, we're gonna sing a little bit. We've got the man, the myth, the legend. Please forget his name. Hey. Um, hey. <laughs> That was a horrible moment right there. Tate and his wife, who is very pregnant. We pray there's no baby born at the RFB meetup tonight. Um, If it is, we get to pick the name. (laughs) (laughs) And we do want to give a shout out to the Four Freedom Podcast. Sitting right here, John and James. Yes. Got Miss Emily with RFWP. And then our favorite one of the church split, Brian Boyd, yes. is here, right there. He 
said that. Um, take this mic. <laughs> Speak wisdom. Does I have to be preacher clips here? If you're I have to be preacher clips, stand up.
I mean, even recently this week, I was called a devil. My dad was called a devil. You were called unsaved. And then one guy said, actually, with a little more proof, he could call all of us gay, which is funny because the three of us have so many kids. Like, we, we have more kids than Noah populated the earth with close to blood. JC has more than Noah's whole family. And they would have to enter the ark two by two. But, but you know, you guys, you're awesome. And so when, you know, when we get attacked like that, I, I see you guys respond. And your responses are amazing. I mean, you are, you are ferocious. And you are biblically literate. You guys are amazing. And uh, I think it's awesome that in the pursuit of truth, somewhere along the way, you have to fall in love with the Bible and the study of the Bible. And I see that flourishing among this community. And uh, that's amazing. It is, for sure. We want to say thanks to a few people that tonight, definitely to the Dudleys, Matt and Stephanie, for uh, all their help in getting this. Give it up for them. This freedom happen. Thank you, Matt. Michigan meetup that you weren't at either. And um, two for two. <laughs> um, met them in Michigan. We we're like, y'all come down and take some pictures. And so they've got to leave tomorrow and head up to upstate Michigan, right? To shoot a wedding. So we're glad they're here. And they've got a photo booth that's set up in the cafeteria, right? And we'd love for everybody to get a picture taken. It's a Polaroid just so we can post it to prove you were here. And we'll be tagging everybody on social media. I'm kidding. Some of y'all just freaked out. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going here. It's all right. Fletcher Shaw, we're going to tell everybody you're here, all right? <laughs> it's good. One of my favorite things about the meetups, Brian, is when we sing together. The sound of people who are free, who love Jesus singing together. Stage Girl Man, that was my favorite episode. I go back and listen to that all the time. And so we've got uh, these folks that are going to come and lead us in worship tonight. And we're just going to sing, and then we're going to gather up here and um, surprise uh, for freedom. Emily, Lois comes in tomorrow, right? We're going to bring y'all up, and we're going to talk tonight. Let me pray. Can I do that? God, we thank you for tonight and just the culmination of months of planning. And uh, God, just to thank, uh, just a few months ago, um, there were uh, no podcasts talking about this subject of freedom in you, of finding hope, of experiencing true joy. And uh, God, we, we just thank you for our family of podcasts that are represented here tonight with Church Split and For Freedom and RFWP. And uh, God, just this group of folks sitting in this room, uh, we are so thankful for. Uh, God, this is a family of people who are followers of yours who have tasted of freedom, and uh, we want everybody to know about the goodness of you. And so tonight, for these next few moments, uh, we're just going to sing, uh, we're going to talk, we're going to share stories, we're going to just worship you in community tonight. And uh, we pray that you will be honored and glorified uh, through everything that we sing and say and do in this place, because you alone are the only one that is worthy of it all. May we lift high the name of Jesus tonight. 
It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up and sing, y'all. glad to be here on this impromptu worship set on a borrowed guitar and a fake banjo. So, <laughs> you guys know my Savior's love? Yes. Come on, you weren't really IFB if you don't know that story. <laughs>
you know, sitting in front of a microphone and talking, and it's it's always one directional. That'd be a good name for a boy band, wouldn't it? But it's always one directional, and uh, you know, because of that, it's it's not interactive. I mean, the three of us we have a blast, and we say so much. There are times that edit, you know, Nathan has to edit out 20 minutes of laughing because one of us will say something. And, and, you know, all three of us will just lose it. So we thought it'd be cool tonight if you guys have a question that you'd want to ask us, whether it relates to, to us, to fundamentalism, to the Bible, to uh, maybe experiences or moments from our upbringing. And so we thought that might give us a chance to interact a little bit with you guys. Um, so are there any issues that... Um, standards, things like that, that you know you have the freedom to do, but still bother you, that you have a guilty feeling, uh -oh. and specifically, uh -oh. what are those? <laughs> so, so the answer is no. Um, when when I was first coming out of fundamentalism, uh, you know, back when JC was just a little boy, um, <laughs> it was when. I learned the difference between guilt and conviction. And uh, it was it was a parable moment in my life when I realized that I feared what people would think mm -hmm. above what God would think. For example, I remember one of the first times that my family went to the fair. And that sounds so simple. By the way, going to the fair is fun. If you enjoy people watching, the fair is worth the price of admission. I went to the fair, and I caught myself looking around. So my posture was never looking up. My posture was looking around. And I started to understand that so much in my life was dictated by looking around versus looking up the guilt of maybe certain act actions or certain activities or, or, or whatever you might want to put in that category it was based on guilt and not based on conviction and so what I, what I came to understand was I didn't really know what conviction really was and this is going to sound really odd I don't think there's any of the freedoms, the, the, the liberties that I have in life that, that I really feel convicted about. Most often, I feel convicted about the words I say, um, the attitude I have, my failure to, to obey the New Testament and with everything that's in me pursue doing good for other people or loving my wife as Christ loved the church. Like, it's it's these areas. And so I think, you know, fundamentalism functions in a way, if you go to the movies, that's a sin. If you go to the fair, that's a sin. If you drink an alcoholic drink, that's a sin. If you wear pants or wear shorts, that's a sin. And very rarely do you talk about the issues of the heart. But yet, if you ask Jesus, what's a sin? Jesus would say, for out of the heart proceeds adultery, thefts, 
murder. And when Jesus would say it's what comes from within that defiles a person, not what is from without that is taken in. And so my answer to you is no, I don't feel guilty. No, I don't feel convicted. But regarding the issues of my heart, daily, moment by moment, I feel fierce conviction by the Holy Spirit over things that I grew up in church my entire life and never even realized that they were an offense to God. I agree with Brian on that, but I would also say that I believe Brian and I are probably more than 20 years out of the IFB. And it wasn't that way the first year or two. We were very, it, it was deeper ingrained in us than we realized. And I do think there's a balance between walking in freedom and not rubbing it in people's faces and not giving them the finger or whatever and saying, you know what, I don't care. Because that's that never comes from a place of Christian love and from the heart of Jesus. But that's that's a balance that we have to strike. But yeah, there's... It took me a while before I could have freedom with music. I mean, I, I left an independent Baptist church and went into ministry, ministering in trailer parks to kids that knew nothing, absolutely nothing about Jesus, nothing about the Bible, nothing about standards, nothing about anything. And somebody gave me a CD that had some Toby Mac songs and some other stuff. They're like, man, you should use this because I was using like... Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Seriously, Phillips, Craig, and Dean, which, which that was way left from what I was raised in. I thought that was progressive. And he's like, dude, that's that's terrible. Like, play some Toby Mac. And I was like, no. And he's like, why? And I was like, uh, because. Like, it's terrible. He's like, what are you talking about? And so I went home and I started praying and thinking through that, listening to the words. And, man, these kids are listening to gangster rap. Horrible stuff, but why not give them something positive? So, yeah, I had to work through those things. The same with clothing and stuff like that, going around family members who had totally different standards and just feeling like I didn't measure up. So, yeah, there was guilt, there was shame, but uh, I think the longer you're away from that and you focus on what Jesus thinks and what really matters to him and pleasing him, yeah, there's there's growth that happens in that. And I think it's it's... In us, or one of the reasons we call the podcast the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast is because there's still some of that in us, even to this day, um, where, I mean, I was just talking to Dudley, I was like, I'm going to put some pants on, and he's like, why? I was like, well, going on stage tonight, i got to put pants on, and he's like, I just preached for the first time in a pair of shorts the other day. He doesn't even work that bird legs, what he said. <laughs> but I think that's interesting because it's still, there's still just those things that are ingrained in us that are um, not biblical. And so, you know, to get away from them at times, we're like, I'm really not sinning to wear shorts on stage. Um, it's just something you never, never did. But I think there's the growth process out. And, you know, I, I, we're where Brian is at now. And we say this on the podcast all the time. When, we, when you learn to live from acceptance rather than for it, when you understand who you are in him, and it's just there's freedom that comes in that. And the worst part for me is not other people judging me. The worst part for me is I'm still judgmental of other people. Like I still look at people and, and judge them, and then I'm like, and sometimes I'll say something to my wife or say something to a friend, and they're like, isn't that pretty judgmental? It's still in there. I'll just add one more thing to that. 
So what was really hard for me was I would have called myself a Bible believer because I was brought up hearing that. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Guys shout about how much they believe the King James Bible, and then they actually hardly ever use it to preach. Um, but I grew up, you know, saying I'm a Bible believer. But I, I came to this awareness, Nathan and JC, that there were verses in the Bible that I didn't believe. And one of the key verses in the Bible that I had to really come to faith in was, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So then when you turn over to Galatians, what are the works of the flesh? Well, if the Bible makes those clear and then putting those two things together and realizing when when my passion and my driving force is not to please the people around me or to live up to their criteria or their standards but my heart's passion is that I would live in a way that would glorify God not grieve the Holy Spirit and when I live that life, I don't have to live under the fear and the weight of condemnation. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of you in this room who came from the fundamentalist movement. Yes, you're saved. And yes, Christ has redeemed you. And if Christ returned tonight, we would all exit this building together. But you live under an enormous weight of condemnation. And I just want to say to you, when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross, your condemnation was nailed to his cross, and he carried it so that you would never have to. Let go of the condemnation. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Check out Free Lab. Good. I got to say. Evan. Network, but uh, has the subject of Bible uh, camps for teens and children ever come up? I know the idea of Bible colleges have come up, and the idea that how that affects uh, a person's psyche. But I haven't heard one about the Bible camps and how they could affect a child. <laughs> um, jumping summer camp. Social anxiety. <laughs> I have social anxiety, so I hated camp. Yeah. Um, I went to camp one time and thought I was really showing my mom and dad how bad I hated camp, and uh, I didn't use the bathroom for six days. <laughs> and let me just say, when I finally got home, I realized that did nothing to my mom and dad, but it almost killed me. <laughs>
we, we shared this on the RFP page. I, I, I think my parents hated me because I lived at summer camp. Um, I do New Life Camp in Raleigh, North Carolina. I do Camp Assurance, Maranatha Camp. Like, I was gone two months in a row. I'm pretty sure my dad ate my guts. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's like, bye, Dad, I'll see you. Take you to VBSs all over town. Shut up, Brian. Yes. <laughs> You know, I'm 50-50 I'm on this because I, I enjoyed my time at camp. It was where I lived for the summer. And so it was just, it was, I enjoyed being there. I did learn and I did grow. Um, there were opportunities in there where it was, there were scare tactics that were used. I'll never forget at Camp Assurance one year. We talked about this on the family page that, you know, uh, they were talking about uh, one night the guy was preaching and how, you know, you might have to give your life for Christ someday. And a guy literally shot a gun right outside of the outdoor tabernacle and we're sitting there and you get those itchies because you're sitting too long and it's really hot. You ever had that? Yeah, it's horrible. And uh, it was like two hours in and this gun fires off. Man, it scared the crap out of me. And not like 50 of my friends got saved that night just because we didn't want to get shot by the guy um, outside. And so there were scare tactics that were definitely used. I'll never forget a camp where the power went off. We were at Camp Joy where boys and girls began to live and the power went off and the guy got a flashlight and stuck it under his face like, we're not going to hell. And I was like, tonight it's happening again. So there was the scare text that we used. There was also the other side where I did learn a lot of Bible. It was like a one on steroids. I mean, I was there all week long learning scripture. And, you know, I was an ADDDD, M-I-C-K-O-M, USC kind of kid. Like, I mean, I was just out there. I'm good until I see something shiny and I'm done. Um, but I think for me, it was a good opportunity to be around a lot of other kids that were like us and learn and grow. There was also the negative side effects. I think it's, you know, my kids have never been to camp. Maybe that's what we're missing, man. We need to send them to camp. Camps. Camps for the You talk. <laughs> okay. Similar to what JC said, but uh, I had I had really good experiences at camps. The, the two negatives I would really say about camp. The Bible never hurt me, learning all those verses. Discipline never hurt me, you know. Associating with the other kids, the community, all that stuff was fun. Even I would even say staying up late and different schedules, all that stuff. I'm sure there's studies out there that prove me wrong on that. But I'm not. I don't want to get caught up on all that. That's kind of above my pay grade. But the two things I would say are really negative was one the the manipulation yeah. because you can you can genuinely manipulate kids and what the foundation of your salvation is what has to support that. In your life, and we wonder why so many IFB kids got saved 27 times and baptized 33. Like it's because they're building their foundation on something that was that was not solid. It, it wasn't on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was on you don't want to go to hell, and so you better make sure this is right. It's like fire insurance, and kids are really easy to manipulate. And I, yeah, I've seen things where they shut the lights off at the end of the service and blew a trumpet. And scared the crap out of the kids after preaching for 50 minutes about the rapture. Scared everybody. And I've, I've seen them gather around campfires and talk about how hot hell was. And just manipulating kids rather than telling them of the glory of Christ. And how beautiful he is and how he's our creator. And he loves us. And yes, we're sinners. But we're made in God's image. And he wants to redeem us. And he has a plan for our lives. I didn't get that really at summer camp. It was manipulation tactics. And the other negative thing that I would say that really affected me was the authoritarianism. Yeah. 
it was so many situations I got put in. I was not treated with the love of Christ because I wasn't an easy kid. I was like JC. I went to Camp Joy and got in multiple fights and saw how many kids I could fight and almost got kicked out one time and did some other things I won't tell you about. But uh, the, the way I was treated a lot of times wasn't with love and compassion. It was with just an iron fist. And I've seen so many youth leaders just get, it just goes to their head. They just get this power kick and man that just teaches kids the, the wrong attitude that's not an attitude in the spirit of Christ so I still regret throwing my Garth Brooks album in the fire <laughs> alright let's have our host from the RFP network go ahead and come on up if that's okay would you guys give them a hand please <laughs> All right, Brian, we're going to start with you, and you have the mantle, and we're going to let you, um, we're, you can you can throw Will under the bus all you want to. That will happen. And, yeah, that will happen. <laughs> so, so why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, your passion for the podcast, and um, yeah, just share with the crowd, because I'm sure this is the first time a lot of us have, have met you in person. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm co-host of the Church Blit uh, with Will, who's lame and not here. He thought work was more important than all of you. Uh, so, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I told him I'd make fun of him. Um, so I originally was just going to help him edit the, the show, and he kind of talked me into joining and doing some things. And I think what kind of really hit me, we were just kind of mostly goofing around. If you guys watched it all, we're kind of blunt, and we, we joke a bit. But uh, if you guys have seen the episode we had with Ethan, um, that was in the middle of quarantine last year, and he drove up. And uh, he came out of the IFB on the show, which I was not expecting, didn't know that was his plan. And it kind of hit me as how real it was, how locked into the IFB he had been. Uh, he had been one that hated Will at Crown College, like hated him. And, he, and then he reached out to Will when he was starting to get out. Um, but he did that live on the show and it kind of hit me as how real it was. And then talking to some of you guys at the Michigan meetup, talking to you guys tonight, it's like, it, it, I realize this is more than just kind of goofing off on YouTube and, and uh, talking about our fun doctrinal ideas, but it's really, it's really interesting to get to know you guys. It's interesting to hear some of your stories. I personally didn't come from my IFB background, so it's kind of, I'm learning some of this. I'm realizing Will wasn't, not, wasn't exaggerating about some of his IFB stories. So, um, but it's been kind of fun to hear it, and I realize this is real. It's also, I feel a, a strong weight from this because there's a lot of there's a lot of hard stories that you guys have, but um, I still like joking around, so I'm still going to do that. But I understand that I joke around with a little bit more weight, and I just appreciate you guys listening and giving the feedback and interacting with you guys on social media. So, Brian, what has been the most controversial thing that's happened on your podcast? What's been the most controversial thing that you guys have addressed and that's brought out maybe the most anger or or maybe frustration? That's actually hard to choose. Um, <laughs> probably the most ironic. So we actually we started the church split in May of 2019. Our first episode was on alcohol, um, and ironically, we had a church split that month about alcohol. So that one seems to keep coming back around. Is is why is that bad or why is that not bad or why is that not sinful? Um, and uh, yeah, that keeps we get a lot of hate from that from alcohol specifically. 
And it's not that we're trying to push it on anyone, it's just that just topic keeps coming up. And the, the first episode we had, we, we were being a little bit cheeky and we actually put some bottles of alcohol on the mantle, kind of blurry in the background, but uh, one of the people that uh, was really upset at the church, that was one of their big complaints was that we had done that. So uh, yeah, that just keeps coming up. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you being here and tell Will, yes, he is lame. Uh, he, he should have been here. But it was awesome to see him in uh, Michigan. So, Emily, thank you so much for being here representing the RFWP. Lois will be here tomorrow, or actually maybe later tonight. And uh, really wanted to reschedule this and try to move things around so she could be a part of this. But hopefully a lot of you will get chance to talk to her, but could you just tell us a little bit about your passion and maybe some of the experiences, something something that's really made a big impact on you through this journey? Sure. Um, so, my name is Emily Lewis, and I think one of the things that I'm really passionate about is uh, talking to people about God's unconditional love, because I think it's one of those things that we know up here, and we think, if we've been taught so long that it's one of those fluffy things, or you'll hear women talk about, you know, women's Bible studies are so shallow, but I think we don't understand the depth of the love of God and how that actually is what is the power of God and can transform us. So learning to rest in that is super important. And that was super instrumental in my story when I started asking questions. I was gifted a faith, faith crisis when the pastor I grew up under was exposed, I started asking all of those questions. <clears throat> and not everybody was comfortable with those. And I, I framed it this way, that I, would, I used to be afraid of truth. I used to be afraid to ask those questions because like, if you go, like, what if I'm wrong? I was afraid to be wrong. But even though it made other people uncomfortable with my questions and I wasn't comfortable with them, God wasn't. God met my questions. God brought resources to me and gospel resources over and over again. And I remember some of y'all heard it on the RFWP, but I remember the first time I heard somebody say, yeah, I just need to get back to the gospel. And I thought, well, that's shallow. Because coming up from like a Ruckmanite dispensationalism, you know, all of this quote-unquote deep stuff that's not deep, it's, you know. Uh, that stuff is just it's a distraction, and it's not necessary. So um, realizing that that you know I could question that, I could get rid of that, and I could just rest in who Christ that I was. That's so transformative. So that's my passion. I want. I love watching people's eyes light up when they're like, "Oh, I'm I'm that secure." So. Thank you. Is there something that has just kind of been the, a, a big moment of affirmation for you as far as I know podcasting and committing to that balancing family time and the controversies that, that come up we pay a high price for doing what we do but is there something that was kind of a moment where you're just like I know I'm called to do this thank you Lord like a conversation or an email or something okay that's fun so I've had a burden on my heart to do something else, and not everyone is called to do something outside of um, momming. I have four littles. My oldest is five, my youngest is one. So um, we have twins in the middle. So we have four in four years, and that's a lot on its own, but I felt a pull towards doing something else, but I thought it wasn't from God, because 
you know, a woman's places in the home, a woman's places with her children, and that's it. And so when I had this desire to do something more, I honestly prayed over and over and over again for God to take it away because I didn't think it was from him. It couldn't possibly be from him. And it was cyclical. Whenever my baby was sleeping through the night, it was like that burden would come. So when I had a new baby and they were sleeping through the night, it was like God knew I had some capacity again and was like calling me to do something. And I remember the last time I wrestled with it was the beginning of 2020. And I was like journaling it out and praying and saying, God, would you please take this away? And for the first time ever, I finally told my husband, like, I don't know, seven years into our marriage, I was like, there's something else. I'm supposed to be doing something else too. And he was like, go, you should do this. Let's, and he prayed over me right there and was like, God, whatever you have, whatever it is. And it was, you know, it was six months before it started on my podcast, which is Abundant Grace, and my coaching to help people grow and heal that relationship with God. But just that affirmation of him saying, yes, you are called to this, was the weight I could let go of and say, okay, I am allowed to do something that's outside of the box that fundamentalism tried to put me in, and God actually is the one that called me out of that. And it was so liberating, and that's one of the things that, like one of those first moments where I realized the difference between my traditions and the voice of God, because God was saying something very specific to my heart, and I could listen to him, and I could trust it, instead of like, ask him to take it away. So that's how I got into it. That's awesome, thank you so much. You guys are doing a great job, and uh, honestly, you're doing something that we're not qualified to do as men. And we could try to do that and never be half as effective as you guys are. With, um, with what you're doing at RWP, and I love it. Speaking of something that we weren't able to do, is create a new intro that was as good as y'all's. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Y'all's intro is really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and everybody likes yours better. Ours <laughs> <laughs> is too long. <laughs> this is long too, but it's awesome. How, how long is y'all's? Two minutes and 43 seconds. It's longer than <laughs> So why'd you start the For Freedom podcast? Where do you see it going? Um, well, I think it's very similar to most everybody. So I left eight years ago, and my situation coming out was sort of a spiritual abuse situation working on staff at a church. Yeah. And coming out of there, God put me unexpectedly. We had no, we actually had no intentions of leaving the IFB. We were going to take six months to heal and then go jump back into another ministry. But God put us in a church with a pastor. This guy had worked for like 24, 25 years at like a, one of the Mecca places that's like right next to the Sword of the Lord. And so he had seen all of it. You know, very similar to some of y'all. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so he sort of, I, I, I shared with him some of my things and he was like, 
that's the worst I've ever heard. And then he starts cheering me, and I was like, yours is so much worse than mine. Um, but he really, I mean, he was exactly what I needed at that time. And I, I was, about three, four years later, I was, I was talking to some friends at the church that we grew up in. And, um, and they had a married couple, had gone through some hard things as a family and as a and in their marriage, and they were there at the church that we grew up in that had become, since we had left, very rough night. And they were sharing with me some of these things and, and then telling me that they had left and gone this place. And I thought that at the time that where they had gone was completely pendulum swing. I was just sitting there thinking, there's got to be some type of thing that we can say, here's the Bible. You don't have to either leave the faith or even go to, you know, completely the other direction with it. Um, and that's my perspective. I know that, you know, some people might, you know, not have a problem with that at all. But, you know, then I was listening to, all of a sudden I find uh, Eric Swarzynski's podcast, Preacher Voice. And I'm like, oh, no, I totally, I, I identify with that. And it was like a couple weeks later, I found you guys, and I was like, oh man, podcasting, that's what, that's what it is. And so I thought that maybe I could, I could throw a voice in there. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, uh, if I don't have like, you know, 50 downloads, and you know, I set like a little limit for myself. I don't have this in like a month, and I'll just scratch it and, you know, fill it up. And, you know, it started happening, and then, you know, you graciously said yes to come on, and then that sort of opened it up, and then brought James on and it's it's been amazing since like I never realized that you know you talk about the people reaching out and and sharing that's honestly a couple of moments in the past few months that has happened this really shook me as far as like do I want to continue this do I have time and you know the, it's the feedback that's really kept it going the thing I love about that is to me, that shows a difference in the ministries that I was a part of before and what I'm doing now. Because before, it was about numbers. It was about decisions. Now, it's about discipleship. And I think the greatest form of discipleship happens, happens in the local church. And I hope everybody here is in a local church and can find a good, healthy local church to be discipled and to disciple others. But what we're doing through the podcast world and, you know, similar to radio programs and things in the past is we're walking a journey with people. And it's awesome now that we can hear back and a lot of times real time. And so I think what I hear you saying is, is there's such a shift in ministry where you go from just, Oh, I've got to get decisions. I've got to, you know, have these numbers to, man, I'm walking a journey with people and discipling people. Sacred. I said it right, didn't I? You did. As a man who people regularly butcher my name, including James White, uh, <laughs> I, I can appreciate uh, someone who's gone through the exact same thing. It's German. James White. Who's James White? So, James. Yes. Tell us about your journey and how you got to be a part of this crazy group. I, I just want to start by saying I'm honored to be sharing stage with Brian. I've looked up to his dad for my whole life, really. He came to our church, and your sister has been a part of our church family at times, and um, it's just humbling to, to be with you guys. And We also share a name. My first name is James. So. Oh, 
transition out of the IFB, uh, and as John, me and John, we share a lot of the same similarities. We didn't plan on leaving the IFB when we left that church. It was more of coming home. We just had a second kid. It was six years ago um, in August, and six years ago this month, and we came back to North Carolina, and we were just hanging out with family, and we started going to different churches, um, and through that process of searching for the next church, of just where to raise our family at, we began to really see the damaging effects of the legalism. Uh, just the other day, my wife, she looked at me and she said, James, I'm so glad when we came back from that debate, uh, she was texting me the entire time. She was watching it live stream. And when I got home, we, we of course, we debriefed and we talked. And she said, James, because I was sitting at the, at the kitchen table and we're having dinner. And so Allie, she's talking to me and we're going back and forth. And I did a little bit of the uh, the amen hacking a little bit, and my kids have never heard that before. And they, my Brody, my, my oldest son, he goes, "Dad, what was that? Can you do that again?" <laughs> and, and so they're laughing a little bit, but at the same time, they went to bed just about an hour later, and I looked at them and she said, "I'm so glad that they weren't raised the way we were, and they went through that struggle, that identity complex, that just that legalism that was." A part of our life and so it's been a journey I mean I still some of you guys' questions uh, I still struggle with that I mean we I still struggle with the the judging people and uh, I, I don't care about what I dress I wear Crocs and shorts pretty much everywhere uh, so uh, but but I still in the back of my mind like I stopped uh, three years ago I stopped wearing a tie in church I had some old men come to me and I still should I wear a tie should I, I mean just little things like that, we still we still struggle with. So, so so you mentioned your your kids and uh, seeing your journey impact their lives. So a few days ago, I was listening to IFB preacher clips and uh, and there was this one clip where this guy, you know, he's he's yelling and authoritative and all that. My daughter said, "Who's that?" And I said, uh, "It's a man named Jack Howes." And she's 20, and she looked at me, and she said, who's Jack Howells? I said, come over here and give me a hug. <laughs> this is a beautiful moment. Um, and then I said, you know, it's so beautiful that you don't know who he is. Let's just keep it like that. Every time my kids say something like that, I say, you're welcome. <laughs> so what's the one thing, James, that you're glad 
that your kids will not experience. If, if there's, I know there's a whole target, but let's think about a bullseye. What's the one thing you're glad? Really, in, in my stage right now, to answer that question, would be a year ago, and it, it broke my heart, really. Um, we were at a youth conference. We took our kids with us because it was in the middle of COVID. Couldn't find a sitter. Uh, praise and worship was going on. And my daughter's there with the service, and she said, Dad, <coughs> can, I, can I get on your shoulder so I can see what's going on? And I was sure, throw my daughter on my shoulder is no big deal. And so one of our teenagers snapped a picture. They're singing a song, and my daughter's got both hands in the air, just worshiping, singing along. And I, they sent me that picture afterwards. <clears throat> and my wife tells me, even to this day, she said, I want to worship fully. I want to be able to do that. But the mindset was preached to us so much, you can't do that in church. That's charismatic. It's contemporary. It's something that's, that's not right. But to see my kids just have the freedom of worship, yeah. to, have, to be able to do that, even as a five-year-old daughter, to be able to do that, man, it was just uh, a couple of Sundays later I preached and I showed that picture. And, I mean, I just seeing that picture again just broke down because being able to just worship. And, and, and at that age, <clears throat> it was something that I never got, never experienced. And I'm glad that they'll never experience that. So uh, a couple years, oh, maybe a year into our journey, like our faith practice journey, uh, we started teaching my daughter, I think she was three or four at the time, that God loved her when she was naughty and we loved her when she was naughty. It was one of those, like, when you get in trouble, we would, re we would reassure her, you know, I love you when you're good and I love you when you're naughty. Have you all heard the Jesus loves me version of that? I'll sing it for you. <laughs> Jesus loves me when I'm good, when I do the things I should. Jesus loves me when I'm bad, though it makes him very sad. And we started to reinforce this stuff. And it was a Sunday afternoon, and we were having lunch and talking about what she had learned in Sunday school. And she gave me some pushback on something. And she goes, but you still love me when I'm naughty. I'm like, yes, I do. She goes, but God doesn't love me when I'm naughty. And I was like, hold up, where'd you get that? She was the, you know, she named the Sunday school teacher. And that was the moment where we realized, I mean, it still took us a while because we really wanted to save that shift. We were the youth pastor and like, you know, there's, you know, those glimmers of hope where you're like, maybe we can. But that was, that's what I, I'm so thankful my kids don't have to grow up under. They don't have to grow up under that uh, performance because God's love is so secure. By the way, Emily, there's a sincerity about you. That's a great quality. Yeah, behavior modification, um, which was what was used on us so much, and it's it's so tempting because we all we all want our kids to perform, right? You don't want them to break down and pitch a bit in the middle of the store. That's embarrassing, right? But we're we're so concerned about what everybody else is thinking, looking at us, rather than thinking about our children's hearts. And that, that comes from that behavior modification and that programming it comes in rather than teaching them the truth and loving them and building that relationship and disciplining and doing the hard work, but trying to capture their heart and teaching them to fall in love with Jesus. 
And so, yeah, I, with my own kids and my own upbringing, I'm, I'm thankful that, that they don't have to experience a lot of that negative programming. And also, I wanted to say something to John. Um, John is actually, have you graduated? You're going through uh, getting your counseling degree? He's nine hours short of graduating to be a, a counselor. And I believe that that is one of the truly missing puzzle pieces of what we're doing. And we've talked to a few counselors, and I've even talked to John about this. We haven't mentioned this publicly publicly yet, but hopefully in the future we're going to have some uh, pieces to where people can get some specific counseling for recovery from the IFB. And, uh, yeah. And John is someone who has a passion. I've sat and talked with him, and just he shared with me about, you know, his own journey and how he wants to help people. And, you know, maybe one day with this, this is just the beginning of the journey. We, we all know this. We don't know where it's going, but we know it's the beginning. I believe one day we're going to have a network of counselors that, that can help people and walk with people, and rather in groups or individually. And, um, you know, maybe God's calling some people in this room or some people that's, that are listening to this as we release it as a podcast in the future that would say, hey, God can take the things in my life, the suffering, the pain, and use it to help other people. Uh, Because suffering is never wasted. God intends it for good. And uh, honestly, JC, Brian, and myself, we started the RFP because we wanted to use those bad experiences to help others. And it's amazing how when you help others with that, it, it frees you from it. So could you just mention briefly kind of about your heart for counseling and how important that is? Because we were taught, I mean, you don't need therapy. You don't need yeah. a counselor. You just need to get on your knees and get in your Bible. Yeah, yeah, that is a, a big place where my heart is right now. I'm sort of neck deep in it at the moment. I have four cases I'm working with uh, at the present moment, and they're actually very widespread um, as far as the issues go. But uh, you know, uh, I am a pastor and very uh, concerned, like like Will and Brian and like uh, you guys are, specifically theologically as well. And um, and so I was I was looking for something. I stumbled across it, and then I got you know the the counseling training and started digging into it. And I was like, this is where I want to go because seminary is too expensive. And I, you know, it's not in the cards, but. As it grew, I was like, holy cow, the Bible has so much to say about all these things I've been through. And then I got to start to listen to more about how counseling has been, um, what's the right word, abused maybe in IFB circles. And so part of my uh, goal, I guess you could say, in this sort of realm uh, is not just to recover fundamentalism, but to recover biblical counseling. Because um, a lot of what's been presented as counseling, if it has been at all, like Nathan said, a lot of some circles, it's like, you know, you just need to take this verse and don't come in the morning. And, uh, you know, the, the, but some areas where it has been presented has been so messed up and, and just really done so much more damage to people, and then so when they hear the words biblical counseling or you know somebody in the movement, they're like automatically triggered. And so, so one of my goals is to actually present that you know the Bible's answers to those things and recover that from what has been completely messed up and skewed within the fundamentalist world. 
Hey, by the way, just to encourage you, um, just to encourage you, I actually made the statement this past week to someone, mental illness is so on the rise. Uh, in the last seven months, no, almost nine months now, I've been having a, a health issue that uh, for the first time in my life, I've realized that anxiety is a, a cruel prison keeper. And, uh, and so just developing a different understanding of, of mental illness in the battle and seeing how it's rising. And even now, you know, there's an epidemic of depression among adolescents, which is a whole new issue that we've never dealt with as a nation before. I actually made this thing this past week that I believe great godly Christian counselors for this generation are more important than men who are great preachers in the pulpit. I really believe that mental illness is so prevalent among the Christian community that counselors over the next several years uh, will likely be more mildly used by God than, than people who develop and preach sermons. And I think, Brian, part of the reason for that is because the pulpit has been so absent of applicational Bible truth. Um, you know, I, I, one of my, my first entrances into the world outside of fundamentalism were guys like you guys were talking about before. And I dove into that and loved it, was listening to, you know, those big names that everybody knows. But then I came down to it and it's like, okay, so what do I do with this during the week? What do I do this when I have, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with, there's 30 people in my sanctuary and I have all this crap that was preached to me during my Bible college years that if the church is not actively growing and you have 100 people after you've been there for a year, then you're a failure as a pastor. And so I'll wake up on Monday morning depressed as I'll get out because we have less people this Sunday than we did last Sunday. And there's so much wrong with all of that to nitpick it. But the idea is, you know, the Bible actually has help for those things that I'm saying to myself and not speaking the truth to myself. But it, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think the thing I love the most about the RFP network is how it's spread across so many different playing fields in the IFP movement. Um, just to think, I mean, just listening to you guys talk and hearing your hearts. And then, of course, we got the 26 letters, uh, Sam and Dave. Dave. <laughs> or what names, right? Yeah, them. Uh, you know, I mean, they're doing a great job. You got John Groves. I remember that name. John Groves with the BK podcast. and Eli. He, who's Eli? Eli. <laughs> John Groves still host. Oh. Eli's from Wilmington. Hey, Eli. Um, and I... You got Clay and Josh with the Young Baptist podcast, and I mean, literally, you got Clay and Josh on this side, and Brian and Will on this side. And you know, when we were doing the network, it was like we we make this happen, but it's reaching across so many different genres. And then you've got Lois and Emily with RFWP that's hitting an area that we'll never be able to speak into. And I love seeing how God is taking our stories and combining it with His story to create incredible stories and helping people find their story in him. And uh, that's what this whole process is all about. And we just wanted to spend tonight just kind of talking and helping you realize we're, we're just three dudes that sit behind a microphone. We're two guys that sit behind a microphone and two ladies and those two that sit behind a microphone and talk. And uh, I love y'all. Y'all are awesome. Um, yeah. I, 
<laughs> and yet our stories, because we talk into a microphone, are no different than your stories. And uh, you know, I love how he shares TikTok videos with thousands of more people than what a podcast may even get out to. And yeah, Brett, he's right there. That's him. Uh, you know, and then you've, you've got crazy anon accounts that are spreading things, and there's just. It, it, it's cool to see how two years ago this wasn't even a thing. This was something that all of us wanted to say, wanted to kind of identify with somebody else, and how God is continuing to move this forward. And you know, just looking at your faces and seeing you guys sitting here, we're in Bourbon, Missouri, sitting in a church as recovering fundamentalists. Like this is a God thing tonight. And so, what we want to do over this next few hours is, I mean, it's nine o'clock. Um, and tomorrow all day and then Saturday is this isn't about us. This is this is about us We the family we want to hear your stories. Um, we're gonna give you an opportunity tomorrow night We're gonna have an incredible service down at the Ridge Church Dudley's Church. Hey, you came back. Good job. Smoke break yeah. All right um, <laughs> Matt came back. Uh, we're gonna have an incredible service down there We got a band's gonna leave worship Matt's gonna be bringing a message tomorrow and then um we're going to be recording a live episode, but it's going to be your stories. And we've got a few folks that are going to be sharing their stories. We're excited to hear that. Um, all the stuff we've been talking about and why we started this with you and here at the RFP fam uh, just continue to share their stories. Go ahead. We also want to give a big shout out to Mike Peters yes. and the Religiosos. Oh, I, about I have no We cannot forget about them. By the way. JC has had about 45 minutes sleep I in the last two days. On you a minute ago. So, uh, yeah, he's he's really tired. But uh, So, can you say that one more time slowly? Because is it like the religioso frijoles frittadas? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Something. I'll say it in redneck. It's religiosos rehabilitados. What? That's it. <laughs> I have no clue what they say on this podcast. They can be like scratching this. The rehabilitated religious people. That's it. basically what it is. So it's, it's come on. In prospero año en felicidad. Something like that. But listen, uh, thank you guys all for being here. This is a bigger turnout than we were expecting. Uh, we were definitely expecting Will to be here, but uh, a, a lot. Every, every one of our group wanted to be here. But imagine the day when we're able to be all together. And hopefully the conference or a camp meeting will happen where we can all be together. And that's going to be incredible. There has to be a tent and there has to be sawdust. That's all I'm saying. That's my one, that's one, my, my one requirement. One of you were saying something just now. I think it was JC. The thing that, in my mind, I wish that when I was transitioning where we're at now, we didn't have this community. I, I literally, I felt like I was on an island. I felt like I was trying to figure it out. I called John, but John was still a liberal at that time in my mind. Uh, <laughs> and, but I felt like going through these things, and John would send me videos, and he's a Fleming Calvinist, and I'm not. Uh, and so, <laughs> so, so when he would send me those things, I'm like, dude, I can't listen to you because you're way out there in the field. But I began just... He was trying. actually right in center field. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And so I, if I, I could only imagine if I could have had a community or a group of people yeah. to be able to ask questions to as we see on the fan page. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. 
man, the, the process for me would have been probably quicker, easier, and a whole lot better than if it was just me and my wife just talking about it at, over pillow talk and trying to figure out life. And, you know, <laughs> that's literally what it was. And it was crazy. Uh, so that's, that was, that was our, our time. And so I just, I'm going to <laughs> Y'all give it up for James Sacred. listening to the recovering fundamentalist podcast be sure to stop by our social media facebook instagram and twitter give us a follow also go to our website recoveringfundamentalist.org that's recoveringfundamentalist.org there you can find recovering fundamentalist swag you can get your t-shirts and hats you can join our x fundy community see where we're going to be having some meetups it's the recoveringfundamentalist.org be sure to join us next time for the recovering fundamentalist podcast